This show is part of the Pod Tyrant Network. For more podcasts, interviews, and content, visit PodTyrant.com. Welcome to another episode of Bad Wolf Radio, a discussion and review podcast all about Doctor Who. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Goins, and I'm here with a man who is completely chuffed to be a part of this episode, Adam Farmer. Chuffed to bits. Chuffed, chuffed to bits. To bits. Yes. What? That is, that is possibly one of my favorite uh, sayings that I've picked up from some of my friends in the UK. Chuffed to bits. I had never heard it before until you said it. Oh, it, it is it is it is a solid one. Totally I, I guess it just means I'm excited. Yeah. I'm yeah, all about I, this. I'm into this. You're yeah, you're excited. You're you're about it. I think there might be I'm trying I'm trying to remember if, if there was some some uh yeah, some cursed cursing usage of it as well, but Yeah, we're not saying something like offensive right now, are we? Oh we 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 totally might be. No, oh. it, it, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's safe. I'm pretty sure it's safe to say, um, chuffed to bits. It's excited, but I think there might be some other connotations to it too. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> that's kind of in reference to one of the news stories that we have coming up. But before we get into the news about Doctor Who, we did want to make kind of an announcement about the show. So we we are kind of uh, on our own for a little bit as a podcast, but we have found a new home. We have we have a home. Yes, so we, if you've heard of the website Geek Tyrant, uh, it's a, a pretty big, you know, entertainment, movie, TV, geeky kind of news website that's out there, and they recently started a podcast network called Pod Tyrant, and we, uh, you know, we talked to them and joined forces. Yeah, it was, it was uh, pretty fun to be able to exchange an email or two and then jump on a Skype call and just talk through kind of the direction that we're going, what we what we like, what we what we love about Doctor Who. Um and then to be invited to to give it a try, to jump on board. I I was I was pretty stoked. It was a it was a big moment for me. Yeah, it's a, a great website to be a part of. We're officially now part of the Geek Tyrant family and um you know I think the main thing for our site is this will or for our podcast is this will just put us in front of more more potential listeners, you know, uh, more ears out there may find us. So if you're listening to us for the first time, um, because you heard about us on geek tyrant or through uh, pod tyrant, welcome. We're 54 episodes in. So you have 53 to catch up on. <laughs> and, and honestly, like for those of you that have been listening to us as we've jumped from uh, a couple different homes, as we kind of went on our own for a while, there's there's a lot of other solid podcasts on Pod Tyrant, so feel free to jump on over there, take a look. Um, it, it, we're we're all just a big happy family now. Yeah, PodTyrant.com, 
and slash shows, and you can see their entire list of shows, or just go to podtyrant.com, and you'll be able to see all the latest episodes of the various podcasts that are part of that group of podcasts. So, so yeah, that happened. Uh, there may have been a jingle at the front of the episode that might have tipped you off, but um, so we are now part of the Geek Tyrant family and happy to be there. Heck yes. So we yeah. are, what is it? Chuffed to bits. We are chuffed to bits. <laughs> so <laughs> moving into wh- why we're saying that, uh, Matt Lucas, the actor Matt Lucas, who played, what was the guy's name again? Nardle? Nardle. On the uh, the latest Christmas special, he is coming back to Doctor Who. Yeah. I'm. I, at, first, at first, when I saw the news, it was like, oh, wow, really? Like him? And then... I thought, you loved him. I know. And then I thought of how much I enjoyed him on the Christmas special. And it's like, you know what? If he if he shows up for an episode, that'd be cool. And then you kind of read a little bit more about the story of him coming back. And there's even hints that he might show up more than once. He might be a, a, a semi-regular companion. I'm kind of feeling like he might be the new Rory. That would be that would be interesting. Well, you know how they kind of introduced Rory as you know he in the first episode you see Rory and he's not a, he's not a companion. You know, Amy's the companion. Rory's like her, you know, loser boyfriend that kind of shows up, but he he kind of disappears for a little bit. You know, they yeah. come back and get him eventually and becomes a regular part of the cast. Same kind of thing happened with Mickey. You know, yeah. so they have these characters yeah. that they almost have a soft opening. You know, like they're like, oh, let's put them in an episode, introduce them, and then come back to them later. Um, and it does sound like he's going to be in the Christmas special. He's going to be in the first episode of the season. And the way that Moffat was talking, it sounded like he's going to be kind of a recurring character. Yeah. And and you know what? I can I can see um, the dynamic that he, he can potentially bring when it comes to his personality um, and the Doctor. I mean, we saw glimpses of that within the Christmas special. He's going to be the comic relief that I feel like has been absent from Capaldi's doctor, right? Well, he Capaldi has been the comic relief, right? Yeah, but he he his even comic styling or the the way that they've written the comic the comedic aspects of how he approaches the doctor, they haven't been that comedic, right? They've been more sarcastic. They've yeah, he's sarcastic, cynical. he's mean. Yeah, his his comedy is being mean to people. That's which, what's funny. Which I mean, honestly, this might set that up for him to be mean to Nardle the entire time. But because of Nardle's innocence and just his like I don't know naivety, it, it might it might work out really well. So this this raises some questions because Nardle, you know, at the end, the last time we see him is basically has been beheaded and is part of a giant robot. Yeah, that's that's a big question, right? So I'm guessing he is no longer going to be in that form. You know, maybe they find a smaller robot suit for him. He's a, some kind of cyborg. Maybe it's a a matter of the doctor finding Nardle at a different time, a different point in time where he hasn't that hasn't happened to him yet. You or know, quite possibly Nardle becomes the new handles. He just carries his head around. <laughs> he just carries his head around the entire time. <laughs> he just has the uh, the head of Nardle sitting on the the console of the TARDIS, which explains how he shows up periodically in other episodes. Anytime he's in the TARDIS, he sees Nardle there. Well, my guess is that he will be in his full human form. 
Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that they don't go with the uh, disembodied head. I'm really hoping they don't go with the head on a robot. I'm not sure how they will explain how he now has a body again, um, but I, I think I'd prefer Nardle much more in that form when it comes to his appearances on Doctor Who moving forward. Yeah, it's it's uh, if it was just him coming back in the Christmas special, I could totally see it being more of a cameo. Like he goes, he happens to go back to that town, and he Nardles there in the giant robot suit. But the fact that it's a recurring thing that he's going to be there in the Christmas special. He's going to be in the first episode, and it sounds like he's going to appear from time to time. That makes me think they're going to tone it down and just kind of make him a regular character. That's my hope. That's my hope. So I I liked him as Nardle. I thought he was funny. Um, So having him coming back from time to time, you know, I think think it'll work. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see him again. Did you just real quick, did you like him because we thought he was a a one time a one time thing? He wasn't gonna be showing up. It was just, hey, he's a comical character in this episode. Is that one of the reasons we liked him? Um, or was it we truly liked his character? I don't know. I think yeah, I think I liked him knowing that I wasn't gonna see him again or thinking I wasn't gonna see him again. Um, I probably accepted, you know, kind of the goofiness of the character more, but he, there are certain characters that kind of pop when you watch them in different episodes of Doctor Who and you just think, yeah, this is a character that may come back, you know, and I feel like with him, he is, he's, he's a recognizable actor, you know, I think more so probably in the UK than in the U S but even in the U S, you know, you see him in movies and stuff from time to time. Um, you know, he had a big personality in the show you know, big comic relief. Uh, he's definitely the type of character that I would expect to come back. So, no, I think I think he he has some lasting power. I don't think he's a one and done type character. I think he'll still be funny. You know, beyond just one episode appearance. Okay, okay. Well, speaking of returning characters. I mean, how about how about how how's that for a segue? Speaking of returning characters, there's another bit of news. Can we even call this news? Um, uh, rumors possibly being trolled. Anything that comes out of a comic book convention is, you know, it's it's fun to talk about, but I don't take it extremely seriously. Okay, so let's have some fun talking about this. Um, comic uh, comic convention, Capaldi and Jenna Coleman on the stage. And Capaldi hints at, um, quite possibly alludes to Clara's back. Yeah, they do. Did so. I read the the quotes. What did you think? Like once you read the quotes, you know sometimes these headlines, they really make things sound bigger than they really are. After reading the quotes, how did you feel? Do you think it was Capaldi just kind of tongue-in-cheek, or did you think there was some legitimacy behind it? Yeah. I, I So reading the quotes, watching the video, I have this sneaking suspicion that there's some legitimacy behind it, but not to the extent that, I don't know, I, I have a feeling that there's a seed of truth in what he's planted. Um, but I'm not sure that it is the... Clara is returning to the extent that we're all 
or that that some have taken it to be. In my mind, I'm for saying this to be something like um, Amy walking down the stairs, Matt Smith's final episode, and saying goodbye. I'm I'm anticipating something along the lines of Clara kind of making an appearance and then disappearing again. I don't know. Maybe it's some hallucina- hallucination. That's that's how I see it happening. Am I am I totally off base there? No, I I think well let's let's read the quotes just so our listeners can kind of if they haven't heard this um can kind of get a reference point. So Capaldi says, I'm not sure how successful Clara was able to wipe his mind. Um I just I was just about to tell you something I can't tell you. So basically, I guess fans had asked question about you know, Clara and her mind being, or his wiping his mind. And he was saying he wasn't sure how successful that was. So maybe the doctor will remember Clara. And then I guess he, he started to say something else and then pulled back and was like, Oh, I almost told you something I'm not supposed to tell you. So I can see why people would infer from that. Like, Oh, maybe he almost accidentally told us that Clara was coming back. Um, and then he says another quote, he says, I just shot something that Clara was still there in. So maybe he just has a picture of her on his dashboard. Yeah, and that's that's the one where I think that's the one that has me tripped up. That he says he's re, he just filmed something that she's still in. Um, Which flashback? Yeah. Like you said, it could be a picture. It could be a picture of her on his on yeah. his on the TARDIS console. Yeah, I think like if for anyone that hasn't been to a, a comic book convention or, or these type of entertainment conventions. The the celebrities do tend to really like to, you know, they feed off the energy of the crowd. And any time they say something like this, crowd typically goes wild, you know, kind of thing. So, you know, and these two have done their fair share of these conventions. They kind of know how to, to get the crowd riled up. And so I think Capaldi knew by even hinting at the possibility of a return of Clara, um, you know, that he's going to get an excited response about that. So I don't know. I I think it could just be him playing to the crowd more than there's any legitimacy behind it. It it, it definitely makes sense. I mean, like you said, and especially with Capaldi, he seems like he has a certain approach to fans that that likes to get a rise out of them. He knows how to he knows how to play them. Um, you can see it in his eyes, even in the video clip when he's saying it. He knows that he's going to get a rise out of it by saying what he does. So, even yeah, the picture, I, I totally even the image, like the YouTube video image, you just see that like sly look in his eyes. Yeah, he he, he knows <laughs> he's having fun. But I mean, it's cool that they're appearing together at these things, these events. This is actually an event I thought uh, strongly about going to, but I didn't. I saw kind of, I had a work trip coming up and I saw that they were going to be at Awesome Con, which is in Washington, D.C., which isn't too far from me, a few hour drive. And, um, but it was just too close to me having to leave for my trip that, um, you know, it wouldn't have worked out. But yeah, it would have been cool to see both of them. I've actually never seen either of them at a convention. I've seen Smith and I've seen uh, Karen Gillan, but I've never seen, I've never seen any of the other Doctors or Companions, so... It would have been cool to see. Now, the, I guess the question beyond this is, and I know we've we've talked a lot about Clara, you know, with the events of what happened at the end of the season, but you know, now that you've had a little bit of time to think about it, 
Is this something that you'd like to see sooner rather than later, a return of Clara, or would you rather maybe they wait a few seasons? Yeah, no, I think I'm done. I think I think I'm good. <laughs> I uh, I think I will go back and watch the final episode of series nine, Hellbent, just to see that diner scene between her and Capaldi. But I think that that is my that's my goodbye the idea of the the song the memory that's that's done it's it's over i'm through um i know that i've said similar things about matt smith and now going back and watching some of his episodes i'm starting to doubt my feelings about that um but with clara returning to old doctor who episodes will do that to you yeah it It really will. will like you will be so sure that you don't want to see a character Again, you don't want to see a, a certain doctor again. You don't want to see a certain villain again. And then you go back and watch episodes that they're in, and you change your mind. It happens. I just, it happened to me today. I will I will tell you how it happened to me after <laughs> I, we're done talking about I'm, this. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. Unless now. you want me to tell I, you I wanted, No, no we, we, we can save it. I'm sure that will be a good discussion when we, when we review what we're going to review. But with Clara, it – it hasn't been long enough, and I honestly don't know what long enough will be. I think she's in a different, a, a separate boat than a doctor. I think the doctors, I'll very easily doubt myself as to whether I want to see him back. A companion, I, I think I'm. I think I'm just ready. I think I'm ready to go. Even even watching Rory and Amy, like yes, they were solid companions, but not so much that I want them back. So, yeah, I would I don't totally think go ready. for a Rory return. In fact, you know, even if, you know, first episode with, you know, Bill and Nardle as the new companions, and then something crazy happens and they're both gone, and then Rory comes and he's the companion for the rest of the season. <laughs> That's, <laughs> that would be awesome. Oh, uh, that would. That would be that would be something else. I don't know if I would say that would be awesome. I think it would be funny. I think it would be enjoyable. But I don't. I don't know if I. I no don't one would expect that. that. Oh, come right. on, you have to love Rory. Oh yeah, yeah. You you have to love him. And honestly, he holds a special place in my heart after watching some episodes where he's back in. Like he's a solid character, and he doesn't get the dues that he deserves. But I I don't know if I mean Capaldi and Rory. Do you think that relationship would really work out? <laughs> no, I feel like I guess you're right. There, there needs to be some buffer there. Amy, Amy worked as that with um, with the Eleventh Doctor, but I don't know. I just, I, I need, I'd like to see Rory back. <laughs> you need your Rory fix. Yeah, I need some Rory. He's the new Rory Danny in my Pink. life. No, 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 no. Danny Pink can stay gone. I, I, I think honestly though, Arthur Darvel is done. I, I think he's made multiple statements that he is done with Doctor Who. Yeah, they say that until their career starts going downhill. Well, his career is not. His him is and, doing fine right now, him yes. Him Gillian, man, both of them are, they're on the uptick. He's cashed in on DC, she's cashed in on Marvel, they're they're going places. Yeah, but her Marvel character's dead, she's not coming back. Oh, she's back. Is she? she yeah, she's going to be in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. She didn't die. She's no. an android, she fell off the... She fell out of the the spaceship and she's fallen to the ground, but she'll get back up. Good. She got, I don't remember. <laughs> Drax blew her up with a rocket and she was okay. <laughs> Nebula is one strong person. All right, all right, all right. So Jenna Coleman, I'm kind of with you. It's too soon for me. If if it just was a, an appearance, maybe for her to kind of 
pass the torch off to the next companion, some nod to her, uh, maybe. But I wouldn't want to see her back in a big role, um, not this soon. You know, a couple seasons away. You know, I, I always like returning characters, so I wouldn't mind seeing her come back eventually. But for now, you know, they. I hope they focus on the new characters and really establish them. Ten years, she'll be back as Bad Wolf, and she'll stop some other doctor from pressing the big red button. <laughs> as Bad Wolf, uh. Um, so, yeah, but she did something nice, I guess, for Pearl Mackey. With yeah, the, the she whole, did. You know, new companion. Uh, so Jenna Coleman sent her some flowers, apparently. Yeah, I mean, first day on the job, Pearl Mackey, first first day of shooting, and some flowers arrive from for her from Jenna Coleman. Nice gesture, right? Passing the torch, like you said, it's a it's a good way to kick off the the journeys with the doctor. Definitely very classy. Um. And then the other thing that we wanted to talk about, I guess there was some news, and I think this is kind of some old news. It's been a bit since we've had an episode, so we're we're kind of catching up on the Doctor Who news. But um, uh, Stephen Moffat actually said that there, you know, there's a lot of speculation as to if there would ever be a Doctor that was uh, a person of color. You know, we're every Doctor we've had, we've had what 13 of them now. They've all been white dudes, you know, so. You know, there's all, the Doctor can... You know, we've seen it in uh, the, the Time Lords regenerating. Not only can they regenerate to uh, have a different skin color, but they can also regenerate to be a male or female, right? Yep. yep. So, you know, and so there, that, of course, raises the question, will we ever see a female Doctor? Will we ever see a Doctor that's not white or British? Um, and apparently they've already tried. They actually offered... Um, an actor, uh, Stephen Moffat claims that they offered an actor the role of the 11th Doctor um, who was an African American yeah, he he said prior to making the offer to Matt Smith they they offered the role to another individual um, and the it, it didn't work out for one reason or another which which started all the speculation as far as who that individual was who who could have potentially been the doctor, right? It, it, which which is a fun discussion. We know who the doctor ended up being. We know what his character looked like. But even whether it's the eleventh or the twelfth doctor, who could have been the doctor? Very, it's a very fun discussion once you jumped on that rabbit hole. Yeah, and according to you know whoever insiders, people that apparently are in the know, they think they know who the actor was, which is interesting. So how well can you pronounce his name? <laughs> I was going to see how long we went back and forth saying things about the actor before someone decided to take a, a stab at the name. So the um, actor's name is? Chuitel. Chuitel Ejiofor? Chuitel Ejiofor. Ejiofor. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I am not confident in that pronunciation. Chuatel Edgeo Four. Okay, we'll go with that. All right. So, yeah, recognizable actor, uh, probably best known from the the movie Twelve Years a Slave. Yep. Um, I'm not sure. What are some other? I don't know if we could probably pull up a list of his his filmography, but I I know he's been in other stuff. He's got Twelve Years a Slave, The Martian. Uh, yeah, The Martian. Oh, that's that, right. That, yeah, um, Children of Men which is a movie that has been on my to-watch list for, like, ever. Um, American Gangster. 
Okay, so established actor, recognizable. Yeah, you see his face, you know exactly. You, you, as soon as you see his face, you're like, oh yeah, I know that guy. Um, I mean, arguably, I'm not even arguably. I think hands down a much more recognizable actor than either Smith or uh, Capaldi. Yeah, is at least at the time of their casting. Um, and maybe, uh, and he's maybe gonna more be so in Doctor in the US. Strange. He's going to be in Doctor Strange again, another big movie. Yeah. So, you know, I guess let's see. When when was Smith cast? Two thousand eleven, ten? Around that time, right? Two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Uh yes, because season six was two thousand twelve. Okay. Two thousand no, two thousand season six. Yeah, season six was two thousand twelve. So it would have been two thousand eleven when he was cast. No, season seven was 2012. Season six was 2011. Well, his first season was season five. Ah, so 2010. You're yeah. right. Okay, so we're we're totally guessing on this. <laughs> people, people are listening <laughs> to us right, like, no, you idiots! It's 2000. But yeah, so he's been, you know, he's been the doctor for, you know, or was the doctor for a decent amount of time. But if he was cast, let's say 2009, 2010, um, you know, a good six years has passed. So I'm trying to think of when, you know, when did uh, Chiwetel hit the scene, I guess, per se, if he was known before that. Biggest movie that I see, 1997, Amistad. Amistad. Oh, I remember that movie, actually. I, I don't know so, what role he played, how recognizable it would have been, but that is probably the, that's back in 97, his second movie that's listed on his filmography. Okay, so he so the big movies that he's known for didn't come out until after he turned down the role for Doctor Who. Yeah. And now we're saying if he turned down the role. It's, it's still if speculation. It's not nobody knows for sure. Well, I'm sure somebody knows for sure, but we don't know for sure. Um, but it, it seems like he was the actor <clears throat> who, who uh, ultimately turned down the role. But, you know, it's very interesting to think about where where it would have gone with a different actor in that role. You know, we're all so familiar with Smith and kind of the way he played the doctor, but the roles that I've seen um, Ejiofor in, it's, you know, he, he just seems, and not that he can't change the way he acts for a different role, but he just seems to have a type of, you know, way about the way he plays characters that isn't similar to Smith. Oh, yeah. He, he would have been... It, it would it would have been interesting to see him in that role because I don't think he's he's quite played a role similar to what they had Smith play. Right. I, I have a feeling we'd have a dramatically different Doctor if that were the case. And I think Moffat's even said you know they a lot of how the Doctor's personality turns out is is the actor they choose. You know, so the the way they direct the the direction they went with Smith as the Doctor was you know very much dependent on the way Smith is as a person, you know, his personality. You can even see it in other roles that he's played or just him in interviews. He's not that much different than the way he plays the doctor. Yeah. Same with Capaldi. Yeah. Yep. Even Tennant, like every, every actor that you've seen play the doctor, it's not like they're playing this, this character that's so outside of their own personality. So I think with edgy he, you know, we would have gotten a whole different, you know, run of the doctor than we got with Smith. So yeah, it's it's interesting to know that, you know, someone like him did turn down that role um and what it would have done for Doctor Who. So I'm just gonna I, I just wanna 
bring this up because again it Moffat this this is all around the conversation that Moffat had wanting greater diversity within Doctor Who if if any show on TV um, can can have diversity or should have diversity Moffat said it should be Doctor Who because there's not um, trappings of a historical drama that requires certain roles to be filled by certain individuals which there's even a lot of discussion around that where that's not always 100% accurate but when the conversation comes up about greater diversity in Doctor Who, what's your reaction? What are your thoughts? Just putting you on the spot. I think Doctor Who has done a great job, especially in modern Doctor Who, um, having diverse casts. But I think uh, one of the main things is it's always the supporting characters. Yes. You know, it's the it's not typically the Doctor or the companions. Although, I mean, the companions have been somewhat diverse but for the most part it's been you know white male doctor white female companion um more often than not there are some exceptions but then you have the supporting cast you know the the people that are in just that one episode or you know for the from what i remember it seems like those those casts are usually very diverse so i think doctor who does a good job diversifying the supporting cast but not so great on the main cast. Um, you know, and obviously with a new companion coming to Pearl Mackey, you know, they have they have um, cast a more diverse uh, role there. And intentionally so. Moffat, Moffat is very clear that that was intentional. So, you know, there's always room for improvement when it comes to that stuff. Um, and I think they've done better with the companions than they have with the Doctor, obviously. There's probably, you know... I don't know if there's just hesitation f- to change the doctor up because we're because um, you know the fandom is so used to the doctor being kind of a British you know white male and it's just always what he's been. But I think that it's I wouldn't be surprised at all if the next doctor is purposefully not that. Yeah, uh, they I think that they like if they already tried it with the eleventh. Um, as far back as 2009, then, you know, obviously the 12th was Capaldi, but, you know, the next one, they're at least going to offer the role probably to somebody, um, to somebody, a, a person of color, or maybe even a woman, you know, even, I think it's coming. Yeah. So. And I'm, I am of the opinion that, you know what, I'm ready. When I saw the news about who they who, who who everybody assumed or is guessing that it was, that's exciting. Like that would have been fun to have the doctor mixed up, um, and and at that point, changed up. That's a better way to to put it. But at that point, I guess I didn't really. I mean, I was still pretty new watching the doctor watching Doctor Who at that point, so it, I guess it wouldn't have been that big of a departure for me, possibly. Now it feels like it, it would be a pretty big departure, but it would be exciting. I'm especially if they had an actor um, of that caliber step in. Like that would be that'd be incredible. Or um, Idris Elba, <laughs> that would be insane. Um, yeah, you be, always that, hear you always hear his name pop up, uh, which I think, or even for James Bond, you hear his name pop up. Yeah, so maybe it's yeah. just any. He's the he's the British actor that is. I mean, he's he's incredible. I've always enjoyed everything that he's been in but i think the bigger issue for maybe for people from the uk 
would be if they make the doctor an American. You know, that would <laughs> I be like know how I would feel about that. Yeah, I think you know if we're talking about you know kind of switching things up, changing things up, you know, the doctor could be anybody, anything, you know, any any race, any gender, and from anywhere. I mean, there's no reason why the doctor has to have a British accent. It's just what we're used to. Well, I mean, even with Capaldi, well, even with Tennant, the idea of having a Scottish accent, that threw things for a loop for a while. Well, they even, well, Tennant tried to not have a Scottish accent. Right, right. right. Because it would be, it was, it was a way and it, there was a big deal made about Capaldi being able to keep his. Yeah. So I think we will definitely, we'll see, we'll see a person of color as the doctor or a female as a doctor before we will ever see an American accent in doctor. <laughs> and <laughs> I am cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> it would be weird for sure. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think, um, with the modern doctors, it seems like about the the length of time for a doctor is about three seasons, you know. So we're running, we're going into the third season with Capaldi, which is hard to believe. Which yeah. is, yeah, I remember, yeah. you know, them announcing him, and now it's like we're kind of maybe talking about his last season. Um, so maybe with this next season, you know, we get a final season with Moffat, a final season with Capaldi, and then everything changes. But that's the beauty of Doctor Who. It is. Yeah, it's I remember you telling me about that when I first started watching. Yeah. So it's, you know, that's if you're a fan of Doctor Who, you got to be ready for change because that's what the show's all about. So, yeah, I think it's it's interesting to find these type type of things out after the fact. Yeah. You know, and then you know, just it's it's a fun discussion to have on like kind of what might have been. But yeah, so that's kind of the news that we were getting caught up on since our last episode. Um, we have been reviewing the Chibnall episodes and we had originally talked about, um, doing the next one, which I think was dinosaurs on a spaceship, right? Yep. That would, that would be the next one in line. That's episode two of season seven. So if you watched dinosaurs on a spaceship to prepare for the next episode of bad wolf radio, we apologize. (laughs) That's not what we're reviewing. We, we had forgotten kind of, you know, it kind of came up, Hey, he wrote, you know, these episodes of Doctor Who, but he also wrote um, some shorts. Um, he And if you're familiar with them, uh, they're called The Pond Life or Pond Life, uh, which is a series of, I think they were just minute-long shorts, kind of back-to-back-to-back. It's five minutes of, of Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, I had personally never watched these, so I was actually excited to watch them. Uh, it seems like I've missed a lot of there. There's a lot with Doctor Who. There's a lot of these in between season, you know, straight to the you know, straight to the online uh, episodes like this. And then there's a lot of like, uh, what are they, I don't know like, call, what they call it like a prequel clips yeah. for episodes. I came across. I think one season they did it for almost every episode, just like a one or two minute video that kind of led into the next episode. Um. Yeah, so there's a lot of these little short episodes for Doctor Who that if you're just a casual fan, you probably missed a lot of them. And even me is like, I think I'm much more than a casual fan. I mean, I have a podcast about Doctor Who, and I even missed a lot of these. So Pond Life was one of the ones that kind of flew by me and I never watched. But they were all written by Chibnall, so we'd be remiss not to cover them. Yeah, and I I think it's interesting that they were written by Chibnall because they 
um, they serve as like a bridge between season six and season seven. They inter- they introduce a core concept of the first episode of season seven, and yet they were left to Chibnall to write. I'm sure Moffat had his hand in it, but they, I don't know, I feel like I'm growing fairly familiar with how Chibnall approaches an episode and kind of how he writes, at least how he writes with Smith. I, I'm still kind of thrown off by 42. And these seem distinctly, this pond life, um, these shorts seem distinctly Chibnall. So refresh my memory, the the last two episodes that we reviewed that were written by Chibnall, what season did those fall in? Uh, that would be season five. Okay. So we had we had uh, two episodes. No. no. Is it season, season six? <sighs> come on now. Um, <laughs> we love putting each other on the spot with these facts. Yeah, come on. Like, I'm then, trying to think of the first one was 42. So that was David Tennant. So that was season four. And then he did 42. 42, yep. And then Hungry Earth, Cold Blood. Those yeah. fell in season five. Yeah, season five. Okay. So, so he had nothing season six. So season six, no Chibnall. No Chibnall. He gets a one-off with Tenant. He gets two, like a two-part story in season five. And then no Chibnall, all of season six. And then we get the kind of in-between. So season season six ends with the wedding of River Song. Yep. Big event, you know, type of thing. Then we have the Christmas special. And then season seven starts with the Asylum of the Daleks. Yes. And so in between those two seasons, that's when Pond Life falls. And it kind of, like you said, it sets up the Asylum of the Daleks, where the characters are at that point. I guess the Doctor had kind of gone off on his own for a bit after the wedding of River Song. Um, but what I did notice with this is Chibnall wrote Pond Life, but then he also wrote Dinosaurs on a Spaceship and The Power of Three, which are like right at the very beginning of season seven. So it's kind of all right in a row. Because I think Dinosaurs on a Spaceship comes right after the Asylums of the Daleks. Asylum of the Daleks. And then what Power of Three is the third episode? Fourth. Fourth, okay. So Chibnall gets it's kind of like every other. He gets Pond Life, then Asylum of the Dalek happens, and then he wrote Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, and then there's another episode, and then he wrote Power of Three. Yes. And then that's it for him. No yeah, more and no more Chibnall he, until he takes the show over. Yeah, which is crazy to think that his last episode that he wrote was the fourth episode of season seven. And now we've had the rest of season seven, which there's a lot that comes after um, the Power of Three. Series eight and then series nine. There's a lot of stuff that changes between but, his last episode and, and where we are now. But it wouldn't be fair for us not to at least mention he wrote a lot of Torchwood. Yeah, so which probably which in probably that the reason for his absence. Right. So it makes sense that he, you know, he kind of went on a bit of a run there and wrote a bunch of Doctor Who kind of all at the right at the beginning of of season 7 and then I guess he kind of moved on and started writing for Torchwood and that would kind of became his thing. Um so it it does make sense that he stopped writing for Doctor Who because he was writing for a Doctor Who spin-off. Yes. Still in the universe just not in the not in the cool show. <laughs> um, and, and just for context, like his last episode of Doctor Who was, aired se- September twenty second, two thousand twelve. That's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, Pond Life, um, 
you know, we wanted to just kind of talk a little bit about it uh, or maybe just acknowledge its existence because it's one of the few things that he did right. Um, and by right, you mean W-R-I-T-E. He did a lot of things right, but this is one <laughs> of the things that he, he wrote. <laughs> he did write it, yes. Um, so I don't know, like nothing really stuck out to me, I guess, in the story other than it really sets up where Amy and Rory are as far as their relationship goes. You know, you get some kind of, you have the doctor, it starts out, the doctor is uh, leaving, I guess leaving them a voicemail. And he's telling them how he survived something by surfing the lava on some planet. Um, and then he laid down a track, you know, another <laughs> thing. And they're just showing kind of the doctor in these different situations. Um, some some lady in a hotel room. I, I, could, I didn't catch the name. Yeah, I I watched it a couple times. I meant to go back and watch it again because it sounds like he's saying it like it should be someone we recognize. Yes. Um, but I'm not entirely sure who that individual is. Yeah, I watched it back um, trying to catch the name, but um, Mata Harry, Mata Harry, Mata Harry. Yeah, see, I don't know who that is. Better but... known by the stage name Mata Harry was a Dutch exotic dancer. There okay. You go. It would, which would explain why she was disrobing in front and of the doctor. Was convicted of being a spy and executed by a firing squad in France under charges of espionage during World War One. <laughs> were there references? I'm trying to remember back to the other episodes that Chibnall wrote. Where it seemed like in Pond Life, and then I was watching a little bit of Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. Um, it seemed like the Doctor likes to reference back to you know events in history that he influenced and yeah I was kind of trying to figure out is that a chibnall thing or is that just kind of a doctor who thing i i'm not sure because it does seem like chibnall has has a tendency to well at least so from uh dinosaurs on a spaceship and even pond life he draws a lot on historical characters um at least for those two episodes, maybe it is something that he likes. Maybe that's something that Chibnall likes about the Doctor. Which is one of my – it's the reason why I noticed it is because one of my favorite things about Doctor Who is um, either him going back in history or him referencing you know, the influences that he's had on certain events. I, I think it's funny. I think it's uh, cool to see him go back in time and meet these characters who are real historical characters. So if that is a kind of a Chibnall – thing or something that he likes to include in Doctor Who, that would be that would be exciting to think that with him as a showrunner we might get more of that. Yeah. That I mean, might be maybe. just me trying to see what I want to see and hopefully, you know, wishful thinking. But um I am crossing my fingers to get more of that type of stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's always fun to watch the Doctor interact with those historical characters. Those are probably some of the um I don't know, most intriguing episodes, I think, to me, where where you see those interactions and you try to figure out how he falls into the storyline there. So yeah, that would be that would be fun. I don't know. Did anything kind of stick out to you in this like it's literally five minutes, so there's not a lot of material there. <laughs> um it's kind of fun how they did it, like like m- each month passes and they show kind of the progression. You know, the doctor's off doing his thing, Amy and Rory are kind of sitting by the phone listening to his messages, but then it, it takes kind of a a sad turn toward the end with um, Amy and Rory's relationship kind of falling apart. And yeah. Amy's randomly becomes a model. Yeah. <laughs> which kind of came out of nowhere. 
No, it totally does come out of nowhere when you get to the asylum of the Daleks, and it's like, wait, what, what happened there? But then, like, you look, think back to his last episode with um, Craig, which is closing time um, of so season six. It's like episode eleven, I think, of season six, closing time, and he's walking through the store with Craig, the store that Craig works at, and he sees Amy's face on the poster. So it's like she had already become a model back then, um, after he had already left them. So. That's where that falls in. Their house that they're in, that's the house that the doctor gave them. Um, so that with the blue TARDIS door on the house that they're living in. And that happened in the God Complex. So like um, Chibnall is tying all these things together in this short one minute, five time clips. What really strikes me about these, the pond life is that, and this is I probably like you said, I'm, I'm seeing in it what I want to see. And not necessarily attributing as much of it to Moffat as I probably should. But there's a lot of dynamics. Like he does a really good job within a short period of time of giving us all sorts of emotions. He writes the comedic elements really well within the short period of time. He portrays the doctor really well within the short period of time. But then he also has that emotional aspect that we get with Amy and Rory at the end. Um, and But he does it very tastefully is that the right word he does it very well where it's not like oh my goodness seriously this is where they're going with it he he just you can slowly see their relationship mellowing out um from the point where she's eating his hot dog and he like makes that face uh the angry husband face and then to the end where he's storing storming out and she's chasing him and then she's saying that we need you raggedy man so i i don't know it seems like in such a short five-minute clip of all these clips put together we have just such a wide range of emotions and i would like to say that's all chibnall and that's how chibnall approaches things and i think we get some of those same like emotional highs and lows like he's not afraid to take those and he does them really well when we look at the hungry earth we get some of those same emotional things and i've already watched dinosaurs on a spaceship i feel like we get some of those same emotional things in that episode as well yeah, I, I was kind of, I watched a little bit of Dinosaurs on a Spaceship today just because I watched Upon Life, and since it was only five minutes, it wasn't enough Doctor Who for me. And so yeah. <laughs> I then went on to, well, I kind of wanted to get some context of where it fell, so I went back and tried to see, you know, what came before it, which was which was um, The Wedding of River Song, you know, if we're not counting the Christmas special, because that was a complete standalone. But um, which the wedding of River Song didn't really tie too much into, um, kind of what happens in the pond life. But yeah, what happens really. in the pond life very much ties into the beginning of um, Asylum of the Daleks because it how Asylum of the Daleks starts is all about Rory and Amy having a broken relationship. Yeah, even yeah. like to the point of getting divorced. Yep. So yeah, I. I think it's interesting with all these we I was talking a little bit earlier about how many of these type of short videos there are for Doctor Who. And sometimes I wonder if it's kind of a disservice that they don't include these into the main episodes in some way. Yeah. <clears throat> because a lot of there's a lot of like really good content that they put in these little episodes that I wonder other than like kind of the diehard fans that are really following it how many kind of the the casual fans that watch the show just miss it completely 
you know, and then you, you jump into episode one, season seven, and Rory and Amy are getting divorced, and you're like, wait, where did this come from? Yeah, how, where, what happened? Yeah, whereas if you had seen The Pond Life, you would have kind of seen that progression toward it. Um, you know, even with something as pivotal as the events of The Night of the Doctor, you know, where you see a, a doctor, you know, basically regenerate. That happened in a an online video. Yeah. You know, it didn't happen in a main episode. So I wonder why, I mean, maybe it's just like kind of like a thank you to the fans that really, you know, get into that stuff and find it and watch it. And they're like giving people like some really good content, but you know, man, anyone that I'm trying to, like, I try to get people into Dr. Who and I always have to tell them like, Oh, make sure you don't miss this. Or here, there's a six minute video you need to watch on YouTube to make sure you know what's going on here. You know, it can get a little bit convoluted. Yeah, and like along those lines, one one additional thing that Chibnall wrote, which kind of falls in line with the pond life, is, um, and and it never got filmed. It was more just the storyboards for it. Was the P.S. So after Amy and Rory, um, after Angels Take Manhattan, and Amy and Rory are no more, that's when the whole short of uh, Rory's dad, um, Williams. What is his name? Uh I forget his first name. But anyways, that's where Rory's dad receives that letter to find out what really happened with Amy and Rory. And so that's another little short that Chibnall wrote that was supposed to be part of Doctor Who, but it kind of just got storyboarded and never made it anywhere. And so they kind of just put it out there to give some closure to his story um, because he never shows back up. But then you miss it so easily. Yeah. Well, another thing that was included in the set in the pond life was there. There was an ood. <laughs> yes, there was an ood, an ood on the loo. Yes, an ood sitting on the toilet, and then became kind of their butler, which yes. was part of the part of the comedy of it. Um, interesting to see an ood. I'm trying to remember what you know. I, I always forget when alien species or in the show and you know how they like when the last time we saw him, like I'm trying to remember, did Amy and Rory run into Oods before this? They probably did. So the one like the Satan pit, that's tenant. And that's where the Ood goes crazy. Um, I know a tenant when the, you know, tenants last episode, they had the, the Ood like singing to him. Yeah. Remember that? And it was all emotional. So Um, the, the Ood show up in the impossible planet, the Satan pit, then Planet of the Ood, which is another um, tenant. Then mm-hmm. Waters of Mars, End of Time, and then the Doctor's Wife. So the Doctor's Wife um, has Amy yes. and Rory in it. Doctor's so that Wife. Would be... They yes, it was one of the kind of the odd group of people that the Doctor ran into, and the one lady that became the TARDIS or whatever. But yeah, they had an Ood with them for whatever reason. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. And Although I, Doctor's wife Amy and Rory, did they play a big part in that? I can't. Yeah, remember. they they show up originally. Then he sends them back to the TARDIS, and then they start getting lost in the TARDIS themselves as the planet is trying to eat the TARDIS. But they did see the Ood. Yes, I'm pretty sure they did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Ood were definitely something that was established with Tenant. You know that they were kind of a big part of everything that happened with Tenant, and like you know, like I was saying. They were even there for his end, so I was I was trying to remember if if Amy and Rory had come across them before. But and I don't care when the Ood show up, 
to me, the Ood are possibly the most frightening thing ever as Doctor Who. Like, the Ood are just creepy. They're just, they're just, they, they're very they hideous just, looking. They, they disgust me. Yeah. And they're creepy because they're, they're just going to kill you. Well, they, yeah. They're, they're, the they're so Doctor nice, though. Of, they're the Doctor Who equivalent of clowns. No, no, no. Yes. Yes, they are. Like you said, they're so nice. Yeah, until their eyes glow red and they kill you. Yeah, but that was because people were treating them poorly. <laughs> well, I mean, they're ouds, right? They're made to serve. What what constitutes treating them poorly? <laughs> they're not supposed to be your slaves. <laughs> well, yeah, but they're just going to kill you. Uh, so pawn life. What else? What else happened in pawn life? Um, they, they eat a hot dog. Oh, um, Amy obviously had a wig. <laughs> Did you notice that? I noticed that her hair got really poofy in the back. Yeah. I, that was the first thing I noticed when I saw her. I was like, uh, she's, she's got a wig on. I don't know if this was maybe around the time she was filming for guardians and they had no, to shave her head. have been like and that. I don't think so. Uh-huh. Maybe not. Maybe she just decided to get a shorter haircut and they needed her to have longer hair for for this part but yeah she definitely was wearing a wig yeah it, it looked it looked goofy at, at at some points um what else what else i literally have like five notes about this one, <laughs> one for each minute so i mean i i don't think there's too much to it other than kind of the tone and just trying to recognize you know, Chibnall's voice and seeing like how he writes the doctor. Yeah. But the, the interesting thing is we've seen how he writes Smith and we've seen how he writes tenant, but just because he writes those, you know, those versions of the doctor a certain way doesn't mean we can expect something similar, you know, for the way he'll write Capaldi. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the biggest question mark, right? Because we've, we've identified that 42 with tenant has a distinctly different feel than almost everything we've seen that Chibnall has written for Smith. And what, what, like what, what is the reason for that? Is that more the showrunner? Um, is that more the character or is it Chipaldi's um, Chibnall's Chibnall's own evolution as a writer for Dr. Who? I don't know, but do you think um, we'll see a return of the Silurians? Because he seems to like them. I was going to say, I noticed with he has the two-parter that features them, but then even in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, he, you know, there's they a come pretty, back. There's a pretty direct reference to them. So, you know, that that makes me wonder if that, you know, certain writers have like their favorite characters or their favorite places or their favorite, you know, species to write about. And it's that species keeps popping up yeah. with him. Right. So I wonder if we will get a return of. Even maybe we'll get a return of Vastra. We're going to get Vastra coming back. We're going to, yeah, I don't know. We're going to get Oods, Vastra and Oods. They're they're all going to make a comeback. Well, we have a couple more Chibnall episodes to review. Um, yep. Dinosaurs on a Spaceship and The Power of Three. Yeah, so our next couple episodes, we'll, we'll dig even more into Chibnall's writing. I actually have only, I barely watched... Um, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship today just kind of had it on in the background as I was doing other things. Um, have not watched The Power of Three since it first aired, so I'm excited to kind of get back into that one. So I'm definitely curious to see, you know, more, more of what Chibnall's written 
Um, in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, I don't remember liking it at all. So on a on a second viewing, I wonder if I'll change my mind. I I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but I've watched both of those already. Yes, and I think you've kind of said you were you were pleasantly surprised. I've so. I I was pleasantly surprised. They definitely are not the throwaway episodes that I expected. So we we shall see. All right. Well, I think we are good to wrap up this episode. Let's do it. So as usual, you can leave us a review on iTunes. If you if you listen to our show and you enjoy it and you haven't left us a review yet on iTunes, we'd love for you to head over to iTunes and leave us a nice five-star review. You can follow us on Twitter at Bad Wolf Podcast. Uh, Facebook, search for Bad Wolf Radio. You'll find us. We're the one with the black and white logo. And you can always send us an email, badwolfpodcast at gmail.com. And you can now find us on PodTyrant. Yes, PodTyrant.com. Um, you definitely can find us there. And we are also posting our episodes there. Uh, we will continue to post our episodes on our own website. But we will post them on PodTyrant's site as well. So you can find us either place. And until next time. Later days. times oh yeah they're definitely fun to watch i i actually forgot i had said i was going to talk about um what happened with jenna um getting nostalgic for clara oh yeah yeah i was watching and maybe i'll put this in as bonus content but i was watching um asylum of the daleks and you know that's the introduction of jenna coleman as the new companion kind of which I had forgotten that I remember watching that episode and already knowing that she was going to be the new companion. They had already announced it and we get her in the first episode. And I remember thinking like I was really excited about this actress. Like I thought she did a really good job. I liked her interaction with Smith. The back and forth was totally different than Smith's vibe with, um, Amy. Yeah. And I was excited for the change. Um, so yeah, I had forgotten and I kind of even the whole story and how it all plays out, I had kind of forgotten. So yeah, I was like, oh yeah, there was a time that I was completely on board with this new companion. Um, you know, and over time, you know, I think I kind of got you or got to the point where I was ready for a change again. But at the time I was, I was pretty excited for her. I at that point it was all like mystery right like we knew she was going to be a companion but it made no sense of how they killed how they killed her off yeah she dies and you're kind of like what and then she she looks at the camera you know do you remember that yeah i do right before you know she's like run run you whatever what's the line (laughs) run you run you we should know. Run you fool? You fool? No. No, it's like run you fly, silly fly boy. Fool. Yes. But it's not silly boy, it's something else. Run you clever? Clever boy. Yes. Run you clever boy. Yeah, that's like her that was her thing. Like she said that and then she looks at the camera like this knowing look. Yeah. Like she was coming back. Oh, yeah, she says run you clever boy and and remember or something like that. Yes.
and remember me. And I, I was I, like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, there was always this mystery surrounding her. And I still feel like they never really explained it. They never gave us a good explanation as to, you know, who that character was or, you know, why she. The time stream, right? Yeah, the time stream thing, but they never really wrapped she was that his up. Guarding, he, she was his guardian angel. Guardian angel. She jumped into the time stream. To save him at various points throughout his life. And she saved him there. Right, but then he jumped into the time stream too. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just, I, I just always felt like they never wrapped up what that whole time stream thing was. Because I remember the next episode started up and it was just like, oh, you know, everything's uh, fine. But um, But even that though, I kind of was confused because why was her, you know, her name was something different. You know, she was a uh, Oswin. Oswin. Yeah, and she was like part of the crew that crash landed on the Dalek, um, on the Dalek's yeah. asylum or whatever. Yeah. And so she had been a part of this crew of the ship called Alaska, and she'd been there, you know, crash landed for a year and all this stuff. And I'm like, what? You know, if she jumped into the time stream, it's not like she forgot who she was. Man, I need to. So there was all that it just reminded me that I never felt satisfied with the explanation as to to who she was or you know we had her show up as the Dalek and then we had her show up as the that woman in the Victorian era. Yeah. It's Both. it's almost it's almost as if they like they planned her character to have a shorter lifetime than what she ended up having. And so they had that really like mysterious um the incredible girl storyline in place. And then, or the Impossible Girl storyline in place. And then, like, it would have been so good if they would have just left it as a mystery. And then they try to, like, tie it up and give some explanation for it. And then she just kind of proceeded from there without having a real point. I almost feel like the way they ended up wrapping up her story with her becoming almost immortal and getting a TARDIS of her own would have been a much better explanation than the time stream thing. Because then yes. she could have gone back in time to any point in time, but die multiple times. Yeah, the dying, I guess, is hard to. But she's she immortal. Dies in the, she dies in the Victorian era. era no, too. but it does kind of make sense because she's already died. She she's just waiting to go back to the Raven and face. Yeah, the she Raven. she doesn't have a she doesn't have a, a pulse, does she? Right. Like, so she her could, heart has even stopped. Right. They pulled her out in between heartbeat. Oh man! So she that could makes just, sense. She could just die as much as she wants to die until she faces the Raven. Because who checks a heartbeat or a pulse unless someone pretends to be dead? Right. And then you would check it and it would be like, oh, snap, she's not alive. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, the better explanation was the final explanation, but it ah, wasn't the actual explanation. No. Wow. <laughs> that makes – that is so much better. Uh, I still say that they should have trapped her in the Dalek um, when she when Missy put her inside of the Dalek. I still say that should have been her last episode. She should have been stuck in the Dalek and the doctor should have killed her. And it just like it's this this time loop or whatever. Yes. <laughs> Interesting, but yeah. <laughs> but your explanation is so much better. <laughs> I, I don't know. I like it. I think the, the no, she has a TARDIS. Does. She can go anywhere in time and space. So she could have gone back, told the first Doctor to get into the right TARDIS. She could have gone and you know done all the other stuff that she did and still be the Impossible Girl, still be, you know, whatever. So. Uh, bonus content. <laughs> 